We're in a series on spiritual warfare. It's called Fight Right, Battling the World, the Flesh, and the Devil. So how was your week? <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about my week. So we got to early in the week, and my daughter was feeling very miserable, and uh, we took her in because she started to break out in a rash, and we found out she had scarlet fever. Yeah, it's still around. It's not just a 1600s disease. Like, we were, really? Is that a joke? So you can get on antibiotics, and it kills it pretty much like strep. It can go down pretty fast. So she was good by the end of the week. But Alyssa had scarlet fever this week. They said, watch out, because it's super contagious, so you're going to all probably get it. So we started watching out. Well, Jana started getting a sore throat pretty fast after it. Uh, so we got her on antibiotics right away. So at midnight, she wakes me up saying, feels like somebody's standing on my chest. I think I'm having an allergic reaction to the antibiotics. So she calls the doctor. He ends up being a great help. We get on some emergency Benadryl, and she ends up kind of getting that smoothed out. We get some uh, better working antibiotics for her the next day. She's all good. She had a retreat this weekend that she was doing with uh, some friends down in St. Louis. So she was away for that, all healthy for that. So we all made it through by the end of the week. Uh, a couple of rough moments of, you know, those times where you're doing the things you need to do and got some, there were some rough emails this week. Let's just put it that way. Uh, we're wrestling with an individual and just some tough things going on. It was, it was a hurtful week. It was a hard week. It was, we were doing good uh, until Thursday or Friday. And let me just tell you something. It collapsed in our home. It collapsed. So I'm being transparent. Like, it wasn't a good day on Friday. It's a good thing you weren't at the Harkness household, okay? We had some moments. I'll take the blame. <laughs> For those of you in the back, she nodded her head. Wrongly so, but she nodded her head. Look, I'll take the blame. We had some heat. We had some tough times and some exhaustion and we exchanged some words and it wasn't a good thing. And then she had to go away for a weekend. It was miserable. It was terrible. We tried to work things out on the phone afterwards. You know how when you get that hungry, angry, lonely, tired, remember how we've talked about that? The four different things that hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, those easy ways to trip. Let me tell you, by the end of the week, we had them all going and I totally collapsed and we had a tough, tough interaction. And then we had to go to a, uh, a wedding the next day with, for my cousin. And, and just, you know, you're trying to put on a face. You're trying to get ready to preach some things. Okay, the flesh. It can rip us up. This has been a week that I don't want to remember much. Battling the flesh. Are you there? How do we battle the flesh and end up at the end of the week going, hey, that was a victory week. Not, man, I'd like to forget that one. Battling the flesh, going after some things that need to be gone after in our lives so that we are changed for his glory. That's what we're going to be looking at is how do we battle the flesh? Let me just uh, do this. Let's get our arms around the hole again. So for those of you who weren't here last week, this is where we started. And for those of you who were, you're like, do we have to draw that again? I'll flip, flip the page over. You're good. Okay. All right. So this is a view of what temptation comes at us like and how we fall, right? The world and the devil on top, kind of that external sitting in the triangle. And those pressures come at us and they basically tickle that which is interested in ourself. So the world, it's those anti-God views and anti-God things. It's the stuff of the world that's all about saying, it's all about you. 
It's not all about him. Forget about him. Go after yourself. The world. Tripping us up into the things that look good, the things that feel good, and the things that show me off. Right? We took that from 1 John 2 last week. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's the world. Basically, like, picture it as landmines. These things set all over to trip you up and blow you up. They're not really specifically targeting you per se, just knowing the general weak spots of humanity, they're laid all over the place for us to just blow. Landmines. More of a general attack. And then the devil. These anti-God beings. I put it in the plural underneath because devil and his demons coming after us to work with us, to challenge us, to attack us. And it's more of a sniper attack. Knowing your weaknesses, knowing where you're going to fall, he goes after you in that moment. Now, all too often we might say, uh, the devil made me do it, okay? And the reality is that word made is sort of a blame shift. You know what I mean? I'll just put it over here on him. But the reality is we fall every time because of the flesh, the thing on the bottom. We fall because in the end, our selfish weaknesses, our selfish moments end up saying, that one actually sounds pretty good. I'll go after that. And we grab on ourselves and go down. So the devil made me do it. No, the devil provided an opportunity. We took it with all we had. Welcome to the problem of the flesh. So that's kind of how the three play together, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And oftentimes when we talk about temptation, what we do is we get really good at one angle. Like maybe we know the world really well and we build great fence lines to keep it out. You can see the solutions we talked about last week. Live a passionate faith, knowing him, going after him, coming out of that Ephesians 6. Grasp God's view, know his word, build healthy fence lines and choose smart paths. That's a great way to battle the world. And some of us are really good at kind of walling the world off. As a matter of fact, some got so good at it in the 14, 15, 1600s, they just went off to a mountain place somewhere and lived all by themselves. And the world never got to them. But they missed that they were also supposed to be salt and light to this world. So we have a combination that we're going after. How do we be in the world but not of the world? Kind of that question. All right. The devil, we're going to deal with that next week. I wanted to make sure we get the flesh understood before we go to that. Because this is actually probably our biggest nemesis. Ourselves. The flesh. Those selfish imperfections. Those hungers for you and for me. How do we battle the flesh. That's what we're looking at today. You know, the ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands and we're just going to dive right in to a couple of points. We're going to be going to three different passages today. So first we're starting with Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24. Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24. If you would like a Bible, just raise your hands and the ushers will get one to you. Okay. Just raise your hands and the ushers will find you and get a Bible to you. Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24. How do we battle the flesh? First point, identify, know your weak spots and why they draw you in. Identify, know your weak spots and why they draw you in. If you don't know yourself, if you don't know your weak spots, it's going to be really hard to handle the rest of it. So the first step is just simply identify. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 is an awesome identify passage. How do we go about doing that? Well, let's start reading Psalm 139 here. Verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. 
See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God. Search me. I'm laying myself out before you, Lord. I'm being transparent before you. I want the junk found. Hey, that's a big statement. Lord, I want you to unearth whatever needs to be unearthed. I want you to dig out whatever needs to be dug out. I want you to find whatever needs to be changed. If it doesn't look like you, if it doesn't bring honor to you, if it doesn't bring glory to you, let's get it out. That's the prayer here, as David's writing. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. He's saying, I want you to search my thoughts. I want you to search my motives. I want you to search the very inner being of me. It's not just about what's on my hands or my lips. It's what's at the very core center of what's going on. And I want you to get it clean. That sounds painful. Could be. Depends how hard we're holding on to it. You know what I'm saying? This one could take surgical removal, depending on how hard we're gripping it. Remember last week's analogy with the monkey and we're gripping the banana? Search, oh God, for those places where I'm just holding on too tight to something I shouldn't be. That banana I need to be letting go of. He says, try me and know my thoughts. Try me? That sounds rough. That, that is. He's saying, set up those situations that are going to make obvious that I need to make changes. Put me in situations. We'll be in point two in just a second where it says, not to blow me up. His point is not to blow us up but to lead us along a way where we need to make adjustments. It hurts. We don't like to be told by God that we need to be making changes in our lives. I'm comfortable right where I am. That's why I chose it. Thank you. The problem is long-term, it's not a good thing. It's going to hurt us and it's not bringing him glory. And we very well may be sitting right in the middle of sin. Try me. Bring the situations into my life that make me see what I need to be going after. Get to know my personal thoughts. Get to know my heart. I'm laying myself out before you, Lord. He says, see if there be any grievous way in me. Grievous to who, might I ask? He's saying grievous to you, God. You know, it's not oh so grievous to me. That's why I'm holding on to him. At the moment, I kind of like where I'm doing that thing that maybe I shouldn't be. But let me tell you, it makes me feel good. And right now, I know that's a world thing, but it makes me feel good. Well, see, that's not oh so grievous to us. But grievous to God, to his holy character, to his righteousness. I was sitting with a friend at lunch a week ago Friday, and we were talking a little bit. And he got into a moment of explanation and frustration and about himself and all of us. He said, isn't it amazing how much we don't look at sin as the horrifying, ugly thing that it is? We look at it as that soft, fuzzy thing. We look at it as that warm thing in our life. We look at it as that moment of gratification when it's really absolutely offensive to our God. Grievous to his character. Lord, find those things. And help me purify. It's time for me to look like you. No matter what the pain. No matter what the cost. May you be glorified. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me 
in the way everlasting. It's not, hey, gut me and leave me laying on the floor bleeding. It's, let's get that out so we can now start heading the right direction and enjoy life. Life eternal. Lead me in the way everlasting. Take me on a path that helps me to let go and begin to run hard after you. May you shape me. May you change me. May you challenge me. May I experience a joy in you that I've never experienced. Lead me in the way everlasting. Identify the junk. Help me to start getting it out and show me the way I need to start running. May you be glorified in my life. That's a prayer. Amen. Like oftentimes it'd be nice if we had that passion and desire in our lives. Lots of times we're wrestling with even wanting that. But these are the steps. Identify. It's not sit down at the kitchen table and gruel over it yourself and see what you can come up with. That's a good starting point. If you come up with some stuff, look how obvious the sin was. But it's even going deeper. Help me, Lord. Search with me. I've become so sophisticated in my sin that I can't even figure out because I weave it together with serving within the church. I weave it together with witnessing and sharing. I weave it together with preaching. I weave it together with the whole of me. And some of it's good and some of it's bad. And it's this surgical removal of the self while leaving the rest. Help me, Lord, to find it, identify it, and get it out. May you be honored and glorified. Now that's a prayer. When we start dealing with battling with the flesh... Let's start with a relationship with God and a humble request that he join arms with us and show us what needs to change. You know, I was, uh, I was an engineer for 17 years, said that a couple of times here, but uh, while designing for this telecom arena, we had this uh, situation occur. I was the uh, lead engineer on this project and uh, we had a project that was released to the field. And while it was in the field, it ended up collapsing. Every night around 11.30, it would just reset. And when it reset, it would take down thousands and thousands of phone calls. Needless to say, the customers weren't all that happy. So we got a phone call from them saying, hey, you need to know this is going on and we've identified it's your product. So we had to start figuring out what's happening. So how do you do that? Like the first thing you got to do is go to the field and see where it's blowing up at. So we went to the field and we're out there with them and we're trapping data at night and we're sitting there. Have you ever sat up at night waiting for something to happen? It's like watching paint dry. You're just sitting there. That's good right now. Still pretty good. So we're talking and we're joking and all of a sudden, and we watch our product reset across the whole. It's one of those moments where your heart goes, no, you know what I mean? They were right. So we have the data captured now and we go back and we look through it. And we can't figure anything out. You're just looking at a bunch of ones and zeros going across. I don't know what's going on with that. So we send it back home to the lab and then we fly home and we start working on it in the lab back home. And what we find is every time we run this data through, they all reset. Well, that's nice. At least it's reproducible. You know what I mean? So we start this, evaluate what the reproducible failure test is. And we narrow it down to there's a chip on the board that's resetting. It doesn't like what's going through it. And it freaks out and resets and it causes the whole board to go. So I call up the vendor, we talk to them, I end up flying back out. And I'm now out in Boston talking with them and working through it and we're showing them and they won't believe us and we found a way to reproduce it using a test box. We run the data through and it resets. They get 
they're in total denial. This chip's been out on the field for 10 years. They end up going and looking at the area because we showed them the data. They noticed some unique things in it. They went and looked, and they found a bug that had been sitting there for eight years. Eight years in this chip. They said, just so you know, it's going to take us nine months to a year to fix it. I said, well, what do you want us to do until then? <laughs> it's resetting in the field, man. They said, well, let's change some settings and see if we can't. And so we found ways to get around it in the moment. And then they were changing the chip in the long run. Identifying. It's going to take watching yourself blow up in the field, out there in everyday life, and trying to diagnose what's happening, and trying to figure out, hey, I regularly seem to fall every time this happens. And then trying to say, okay, Lord, I've asked you to try me. I've seen it. What do I need to be going after? How do I need to be managing this? Let's start avoiding the problem and get this thing right. Okay? Identifying. It's key. Watch how you're failing in the field. Watch what's happening in everyday life, in your home, in your workplace, with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends. How are you blowing up? How are you making your mistakes? It's time to start narrowing in on those and figuring out what's motivating the failure. Identify. It's the first step in battling the flesh. Okay? Let me ask you a question. Right here, right now. Think about it. What's yours? What's your blow up? What's your sin struggle? For some, it's going to be really easy. And for others, you might go, I don't know. It's really sophisticated. I got it all woven in under this other junk. Think about it a little bit. What needs to change? Get a little bit of an idea. Let's start on the path of identifying and make a goal over the next several weeks that God's going to work with us to make it clear where we need to change. Okay? Identify. The second point, avoid. Take God's way out and flee. Avoid. Take God's way out and flee. We're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 10, 13 on this one. It's actually 12 through 14. 1 Corinthians 10. So let's turn there. Avoid. Take God's way out and flee. This is a, hey, once you know where your weak spots are, don't go around that. That's kind of the obvious, right? Like, let's find a way to arrange it so that that's not blowing up anymore. Avoid, okay? That's the statement. Well, where are we getting it from? Let's start in verse 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. In other words, no self-confidence. This is God-confidence only. Take heed. Do not say, I've got this one. That's a bad move. It's God confidence only. Okay? I'm trusting him, him alone. Take heed lest you fall. Verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Okay, first of all, notice the double negative. Okay? Because if you only look at part of the phrase... You get a little bit confused. He says, no temptation, not common. In other words, all temptations are common. In other words, if you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, I'm really tempted by... Chances are, there's a lot of people in this room that would raise their hand and say, yep, me too. No temptation is unique. 
We as human beings have the same similar fault mechanisms. So whatever's tripping you up, there's a lot of other people that are being tripped up by it too. Just know this. We all tend to fail in similar fashions. Don't sit quietly. Don't hide it thinking, you know what? I'm probably the only one. That's where we end up buying a lie. The reality is transparency starts when we go, hey, we all got the problem. I mean, we can often start in by saying, look, this is my struggle and I know you're all struggling too. Like that's a very legitimate challenge. Temptation. We struggle with things, similar things. Now, some people might have a struggle with anger. There's a lot of anger struggling people in here. Some might have a struggle with money and the love of possessions. There's a lot of that in here. Some might be struggling with lusts like sexual desires and managing those, managing the thought life. And there's a lot of that in here. We're all sitting side by side with people that are really kind of going down a nasty path, side by side. And we partially look good and we're partially letting it run train wreck. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, seriously, don't we all have it going on in our lives? It's a time where we need to be honest that no temptation has taken me, but that which is common to man. We all struggle with it, okay? Common struggle. Well, that's really a bummer. Thank you for lifting me up. Okay, look at his phrase right after it. But God is faithful. What I love about this statement is it's a character statement. It's just a fact. He just facts us. Hey, you just need to know something. God equals faithful. You need to understand that he is right here with us. He is walking with us. He is talking with us. He is sharing with us. He is hoping for us. He is moving in us. He is going to walk us through the problem. He is faithful. God Almighty, willing and able to be leaned on in every situation. Faithful. Not faith sometimes. Faithful. Anytime. All the time. You can be leaning on him. So he could have just ended there. God is faithful, period. But he didn't. Being inspired by God himself, he decided to explain how that might meet itself out in yours and my life. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but will with that temptation also provide the way to escape that you may be able to endure it. God is going to provide a way to escape. Now, if you notice... He's going to provide a way to, to what? Escape. He's not going to provide a way to bear up under it. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that when God sees you in the middle of temptation, he says, I will infuse you with an extra amount of strength so that you can endure what most other mankind cannot. And in that moment, you will experience the greatness of me. That's not what it says. I would have thought it might say that. If I'm just coming in and looking at scripture and we're talking about the power of God and how great he is and he's faithful and no, he says, hey, there's the door. That's his answer. There's the door. And the strength I'm giving you is to take the door and run right now. That's it. That's the plan. Flee. Second Timothy 2.22. Flee from your youthful lusts, which war against the soul. You see, here's the number one fault when we start talking about sin management, when we talk about the world, the flesh, and the devil, 
We know about Ephesians 6 and the spiritual armor and the stand firm thing, right? We've heard that and we talked about that. So we get all pumped up and we're going to do this spiritual warfare thing. And then we get into a place where our temptations and our lusts are at stake. And we're like, I'm going to stand in there. I'm doing this battle. And the problem is scripture says, run. It's not a time to stand firm. Flee. Get out of there. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. The door is there. The way is open. Take it. Well, how do I know when to stand and when to flee? We'll cover that next week a little bit. Okay. We're going to talk about standing firm next week, but this week it's all about just simply run. It's all about avoid. It's all about, he's given you the open door. Take it. It's time for you to move on. You have a weak spot. Do not stand there and go down. That's all he's saying. He's saying every one of us falling to common temptations and every one of us needs to be fleeing when those common temptations are about ready to hit us. It's time to move. He says, he will provide the way to escape that you may be able to endure it. You see, we would often think of the word enduring as meaning standing right there and taking the whole brunt of the blow and being able to not be changed. But that's actually not what it means here. Endure means when the temptation hit, you didn't fall, period. That's all it means. It means your goal is to not fall. And I need to learn how to run. I need to learn how to flee. Flee. How do I flee? Well, I put down four ways you can flee. You might want to write these down. Four ways that you can flee, okay? First, you can change your location. Like Joseph, right? Potiphar's wife is tempting him there. He ends up just plain old booking. He runs. You can change your location. Get out. Move on. Be in a different spot physically. So that's one thing. You can change your location. A second thing, you can change the situation. A lot of times we can be in a spot, say it's late at night, where we get tempted with the use of a computer in the wrong way, whatever it might be. I mean, as you see fireproof, where he takes a computer, slugs a hole in it, throws it out in the garbage, right? Like, change your situation. There is no more computer. Problem solved. Okay? So you can change the location. You can change the situation. Change your isolation. A lot of times a problem for us is we're just all alone. Call a friend. Don't Facebook the friend. What are you talking about? Facebook's evil? I'm saying if you're on the computer, you're opening yourself up to other things. Get on the phone. That's that's just a a blunt recommendation. So am I in sin if I use Facebook? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying be careful because honestly, now you're getting into another realm where Facebook's out there advertising to the lonely hearts. So just be careful, okay? All the tools of the computer are made to also hit the people that are struggling. So you might want to find a way where you're not opening yourself up to yet another fall, okay? So call a friend. Get on the phone. Make a deal with somebody. Dude, when I'm struggling, I need to call you. If it's later at night, are you okay with that? Work it out. Isolation. Make sure you can change that. Change your focus. A lot of times the problem is simply that we're just not abiding with him. We've chosen to run amok and do our own thing. So change your focus. Get back into a fix with him. Spending time in his word. Praying with him. Hearing from him. Wanting to hold his hand and walk with him. No matter what's going on in your life. A change of focus can often be a fleeing. Those are four ways you can flee. And a lot of times you need a combination thereof. Okay? Just be thinking about, God, what do you want me to do? with where I'm being tempted, with what I'm struggling with, which way am I going to go? What am I going to take to get out? 
you know, this story has been used. James McDonald used it in a book. I've, uh, Dave Wilkerson used it in a couple of his speeches, but it's a phenomenal analogy, so I'm going to use it too, okay? 14th century Duke has a brother. The two of them are at war with each other. And in being at war with each other, they are deciding how they can put each other to an end. And the one brother puts the other brother this enormously large, enormously large man into a room and builds a very narrow doorway. And then every day, knowing his tendency for gluttony, brings unbelievable trays of food, gourmet dishes, and just lays them out for him every day. And the man, every day, could just watch what he eats, and over time he would lose weight and he could leave the room. But instead, he just keeps shoveling it in. And as he eats and eats and eats, he stays locked up for a lifetime. And the plan was, if somebody ever came and said to him, you're keeping your brother locked up, That's, that is sick. He'd be like, it's not locked. The door's wide open. He can leave anytime he wants. In fact, I'm feeding him wonderful food every day. The reality is he's trapped by his own lust. And his own greed for food is what's holding him while the open door stands in front of him. That is exactly the picture of you and me as we're tempted. As that thing steps into our face to challenge us to fall, And we sit there and ravenously feed while the open door is right in front of us. What are you feeding on? That's the identify piece. So what's your open doorway look like? The fleeing. What are you going to go after this week, right now? What's your plan? Let's get a plan. You getting it? Which of the four elements of fleeing are you going to use in your life this week? You're going to change your location. You're going to change the situation. Something need to go out of your house this week. You're going to change the isolation. Is it time to change the focus? It's time to do some battle. Let's stop feeding ravenously. And every week coming in here and at five after nine, feeling completely guilty that we haven't worked as hard as we should have in our walk this week getting pumped up because of this awesome worship and we get a refocus and we go out on a little bit of a high with a little bit of a challenge and then we die throughout the week again. May we not be doing that anymore. It's time to experience victory. It's promised. It's guaranteed. You can experience a success in walking with him where you are able to see your flesh be put in check. And it takes identifying and avoiding. Flee. Run with all you've got. Run. That's what it's about. Okay? Run to his arms. But run. So first it's identify. Then it's avoid. Third, grow. Reduce the amount of weak spots over time. Grow. Reduce the amount of weak spots over time. Let's go to Romans 12. So turn back just a few pages there. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I just want want you to know, when I was thinking through this and praying over this, I had written down the idea of fleeing, and I was done. And as I started praying more over this and looking at it, I thought, you know what? There's something missing. In transformational life, you don't just keep running. I mean, running can put you in good shape in a way, you know? But it's not just about constantly running. 
It is about reducing the weak spots over time. It's about figuring out how to grow in him so that next year, or maybe the year or two after, whatever it takes, our weak spots are less, and we can actually stand firm in more situations. Maturity, increase of strength in him. That's what this third point's about. Battling the flesh, it is about avoiding the moment so you don't fall, but it is also about addressing those things so that you can grow and be more like him, okay? So grow, where do we get it from? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul says here, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I appeal to you. I plead with you. If there's one thing you could get, get this. It's time to worship him. How do you worship him? You are a living sacrifice, not a dead one. Remember, the Old Testament was about the dead animal. You are New Testament sacrifice. That's the sacrifice of death was Jesus Christ. You are offering yourselves as a thank you offering back to him. Your works, your actions, your lips, your hands, your feet, your life, your thoughts, all saying he is so worth knowing. That is a call to worship. Amen. We have a chance to be celebrating who he is with all we've got. Worship him. With all you've got, that means run hard after him. Be a living sacrifice for him. He's worth it. That's what your life should say. He is worth it. That's how he starts. I appeal to you, make sure you show that he's worth it. That's my paraphrase. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Okay. Don't be conformed. That's great. That's a nice statement, isn't it? Don't, don't do it. I, I can't stop doing this. What should I do? Don't. Thanks for the help. Right? How, how do I don't? How do, how do I don't? How do, how do I do that? Well, maybe another way to put this is starve it. Starve the flesh. When he's saying don't do it, he's saying, I mean ever. Oh, well, that's a little tougher. I get it now. Starve it. It means I don't want an ounce of it being fed right now. Watch out. We feed our flesh in so many ways. If we're stuck on the show me off thing, how easy is it to find little ways to show me off all over the place? So we'll avoid that one big way I've been going after to show me off. But in all these little ways and things I say and the things I do and the ways I place myself just to get people to notice me. And I'm constantly feeding that monster of show me off in little bits. I've decided not to feed them this monstrous coursed meal, so I'm feeding them little tidbits throughout the day. You know what I'm saying? Starve it. It's time for that to end. It's time for every little facet of that beast to be put to rest. What's it look like? See, this is where it takes a little more sophistication, a little more prayer. Maybe we need to work together on some things and talk it through. Maybe you can be talking to your small group leaders and saying, hey, I'm trying to figure out how to starve it and I'm not sure how to starve it. But it's time to starve that beast. Get used to it never being fed. And it gets a lot easier for it not to be fed. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's the first point. Starve it. Do not be conformed to the world. Don't let the world talk. Don't hear it. It's not about what looks good. It's not about what feels good. And it's not about what shows you off. Look for those things in your life and put them to rest. That's it. All right. Don't be conformed to the world. 
but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed. Allow God to step into your life and make you a new creation. Allow tomorrow to look different because your heart has a new passion for it. Your hunger has a new passion for it. You have grown in wanting to be like him and with him and for him and about him. You are becoming a new creation regularly and daily. As we start talking about being transformed, this is probably the train it piece. You know, we talk about that, be disciplined, train it. So we're starving it, we're training it, right? That's the things going on with the flesh. And as we start going after starving the ugly and start training the godly, you're going to be amazed at how quickly this stuff comes on. Well, let me just say it this way. Four ways that you can be transformed. Probably want to write these down. So we just did the four ways you can flee. Here's four ways you can be transformed. First, you're going to need to gain passion. You're going to need to gain passion. This is a huge one. Uh, We can talk all we want about doing it, but if we don't want to do it, we're not going to do it. Do you know what I'm saying? So how do we want to do it? Well, here's the reality. Oftentimes, the reason we don't want to do it is the sin is in our life. We've got stuff in our lives that's paying off in the moment and it's distracting us. And the more we get distracted by the things of this world and the things of other than God, the more we create idols and we end up just not wanting it. And there's going to be a moment where we just have to break the chicken and the egg cycle. There's going to be a moment where we got to say, passion isn't there, but action's coming. I'm going to do this even though I'm not really feeling like it or not wanting to. And as I go after it, I'm trusting you, God, that I'm going to build a relationship with you and this passion is going to fire up in me and the sin that is blocking all of it is going to fade. And I'm going to get a hunger for you like never before. I am going after you with all I've got. I'm setting aside these clear sins. They're done. I am going hard after a relationship with you. And that includes, we could talk about the whole four W's. Worship him. Get to know him and adore him. Walk with him. Plug into a small group. Start doing life together. Work. It's not, yeah, I do this thing every week where I come in and I, you know, whatever. Somebody asked me to do this, so I do it. It's, I'm doing something to say, thank you, God. And I'm blown away by being around it. It's get yourself into transformational ministry. Find a place where life is changing. People are getting excited. Things are changing and people want to explain and share it. And you're there to be a part of it. And as you get to be there and hear from them and share with them and maybe cry with them and pray with them, you go home going, this is totally worth it. And passion is coming up. When does passion fade? When we run this fake junk where we really aren't interested in transformation or anything like it. We just want to look like we got our act together. Show me off. You hear the difference? So we can be doing the same thing, but heart motivation makes it completely wrong. It's all about saying, God, I want to be in the moment where you're changing things. And I just want to watch your hand work and be whatever service I can to you. May you be glorified with me. Put me there. Get passion. Go after them. Spend time with them. And set stuff aside. And you are going to have to break the chicken and the egg cycle. To start it out, you're going to just have to go in saying, it's going to be better. The passion's coming. I'm going to do what I need to do. So that's the first, gain passion. The second, obedience. Just follow after him. Focus on fruit, if you want to say it that way. Focus on the fruit of the Spirit. Focus on the fruit in your life, activities and actions. 
an obedience element does need to be there. All too often I've talked to people that aren't changing and they aren't passionate and they also aren't doing anything. It really does go hand in glove. It's time for us to say, I got to put some stuff aside and go after it. Gain passion, obedience, community. Get some friends. Get in a small group. Be hanging around people that are struggling with the same things you are. Lock arm in arm. Smile through it. Cry through it. Change through it. Community. Spending time with people. And also time with the Holy Spirit. It's community that way too. You have God Almighty with you. Daily, regularly, at all times. Spend time with them. And then the last one is time. Be patient. We've spent anywhere from whatever, 18 to however many years you've been doing this sin thing you've been doing, be a little patient as God's tearing it apart and rebuilding. Give it over to him and watch him work. You want to be transformed? Get some passion. Hunger after him and run after him. Get some friends hanging around you that are doing the same thing and really give it some time and watch God work. It's about be transformed. So starve it train it or be transformed. And then at the end, he says, watch God change it. Look at what he says here at the end. What a great way to end. He says, you will be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. That sounds like a nice thing to have in my life. What is good, acceptable, and perfect. I think I could go after that. Just going after some things that honor God and lift you up and lift him up and make it all a great celebration in the midst of it. This thing ending on a high note, now that sounds worth it. Let's go after being transformed. Let's go after being more like him. Let's put our lives in his hands and simply say, it's your work. It's me being transformed. Are you hearing it? It doesn't say transform yourself. It says be transformed. Allow God to work. Just place yourself in the right place and let him start doing that. There were two men at a circus, each of them in their own dunk tank, and they were side by side. One dunk tank had a target like this, and the other dunk tank had a target like this. Which one do you think got more wet? Right? The bigger our target, the quicker we're going to go down. That's what it's about growing. You want to talk about battling the flesh? We need to be reducing the target at a regular, regular, regular pace. It's about, Lord, I want to look more like you. I want to grow to be more like you. I want to love you with all I've got. I understand this passion. I understand this purpose. I want you to be celebrated in my life. It is about flee in my weak spots, and it is about addressing those when I'm out of the moment. How does that need to adjust? What can I do to get that starved? How can I kill it and bring more up in passion with you? Okay? That's it. It's identify, avoid, and grow. And let me just say this, one last statement. The the grow piece, it's like a teeter-totter. And the things that are on the negative side of life, there's things on the positive side of life that can replace it. So as you starve out the negative, bring in the positive. And doing that allows you to run hard after him in a way that is so refreshing. It's not this legalistic, righteous thing where I'm trying to run around and look like I've got it together. I'm actually meeting him face to face, and he's blowing me away. That's the plan. That he is more than enough. He has everything we need. 
that as we put ourselves in his path, in his place, in his hands, with his power, he shows us the way to escape. He shows us how to grow. He gives us a transformational renewal of the mind. And he simply says this, I am more than enough. I am faithful to be there with you and I will lift you up. It is time for you to experience victory. It is done with having to say another week where I just want to forget it. It is time for the flesh to be kicked and it can be done. Are you ready to experience it in your life? Are you ready? Because it's going to take commitment, but it is completely doable. May God be honored as we hand him our flesh and go running for his arms. That's what it's about. Let's find him more than enough. Let's pray.